uh, open it up for us for the weekend. Um, so you have both the notebooks, you're ready to learn. Um, it's a great opportunity to learn from them. The Camry knows. Fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. 
You know, I want to start off here because this is really uh, the whole weekend we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Amen. And this is an amazing uh, book here. But Paul starts off with this amazing prayer to the Ephesians, casting a vision on them. He prays for the Christians really to know God and to know God deeper. He prays that the Christians would have their hearts softened in order to recognize the power of God that can be in their lives. Really, the power that God has over this world, above every power, every authority, everything that he displayed when he rose Jesus from the dead. The weekend, this weekend, is entitled, Light It Up, right? It's amazing. You know, and this whole weekend, I I would summarize into this one sentence, which is, we really want you guys to know God deeper. To then be transformed by his power, and then become people who can then change the world around. That's the whole goal of this weekend, is to know God deeper, to be transformed, and then change the world. Let's light it up, baby, right? You know, we worship an amazing God who can literally do anything in the world, and honestly, he is looking for people who want to change the world with him. He's not looking for perfect people, he's looking for willing people, right? You know, and maybe you're here this weekend, maybe you're not really sure where you're at with God. Maybe you've been through some trials. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like you've tried everything. Maybe you feel like I have this sin in my life I just can't shake. Maybe I have this thing that I just can't give up. I don't know if I want to do it. I'm losing sleep about it. I feel burdened. I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I just want to say this. I'm glad you're here this weekend. Because even if you feel like any of this, I want to just let you guys know Your heart's here because you sacrificed the time. You drove all the way up here where there is no cell reception, right? You paid $80 to come here, right? Which means, maybe some of y'all got late, had to pay the 90. But the point is, if you're here, it means you care about your relationship. It means you want to grow this weekend. It means you want to light it up. I, my hope is really that if you put in the effort this weekend, listen to the classes, and take the most out of this weekend, you too will become lights. You know, the title of tonight's session, the lesson, is this lesson uh, that we entitled, Out of the Darkness. Ooh, let's see if my clicker wants to work. Hey, there it goes, right? Title, Out of the Darkness. And really, this is the main point of the entire message tonight, which is this. We need to expose sin in our lives to experience God's wonderful light. And the reason I say this is because I know everyone here, judging by the fact you are here, want to be light. But there is somebody who is working against all of us to prevent that from happening. There is somebody who does not want us to be light. There is somebody who wants to keep us in the darkness as much as he possibly can. And that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. Because we're going to be talking about exposing sin in our lives so we can experience the wonderful light of God. Amen? I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to jump right into the meat of the time tonight. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for you. We love you, God. We are just in awe of your power, your glory, your grace, God. I pray... Lord, that your scriptures would be elevated tonight, that your spirit would be loud and bold. God, I pray that you speak through both my wife and myself, God, just that really your scriptures would really ring true tonight, Lord. We love you so much, and it's in your sense we pray. Amen. My first point tonight is the killer in the shadows. The 
killer in the shadows. Let's flip over to chapter 2 in Ephesians here. We're going to look at verse 1. It says this. Anyways, we'll figure that out in a second. In verse 1 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You know, Paul writes here after this amazing prayer, right? Calling them to be light, essentially, right? But then he talks about what they used to be here, right? He says that you used to be dead in your sin and transgressions. He wrote that there's not only just the fact that you are dead in your sin and, or your sin and transgressions, but there is somebody at work in those who are disobedient. This spirit he mentions here is not a capital S spirit referring to the Holy Spirit. It's referring to something that is not holy at all. It's referring to somebody who's not actively trying to bring life, but to bring death into those he possibly can. We know this person to be Satan, but sometimes I think in our lives we can forget just how active he is at trying to prevent us from being close to God. As the scripture says here, he is at work. Satan uses something, though, to tempt us away from God, which is what verse 3 gets into, which is this idea of the gratification of the flesh. You know, the word flesh here in the Greek, it's this Greek word called sarx. Everybody say sarx. Incredible, you guys are all scholars now. <laughs> Which closely resembles, we get this for, for flesh in the Bible, but it actually really translates more to like animal appetites. It's more like a, an animal, like a, like a craving an animal has. I'm going to show a picture here. The best way I can really illustrate it, this is our dog. This is Brody. Now, don't get it twisted. He looks cute and adorable, right? No. There's a demon behind those eyes. Now I'm playing. But here's the thing. Without fail, every time I come home, I am fully expecting to see something chewed up. To see a remote on the ground torn to pieces. To see retainers. Literally, this past year, I have calculated how much damage he has done to our house this past year. It's over $1,000. <laughs> Like, I'm just chewing things up. This is Brody, everybody. Now, here's the thing. Without fail, every single time, it's the same routine. I walk in the door. My dog looks at me in the eyes. And I know he's guilty. I know he's done something because he's not coming up to greet me. And so I put on the dad voice. I'm like, Brody, what did you do? And then he walks away sulking all like, but here's the thing. I, every time, I, you know, rub his nose in it, tell him, hey, don't do this again. He does it over and over and over again. So much so, we actually put a camera in there one time to figure out how he does this and why he does this. And we had like a little microphone on it. So one time, I saw him doing it. I turned on the microphone. I'm like, hey, 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 stop that. And he literally looked at the camera, went back to chewing the thing, and did not care. Why do I share about my dog here? I just wanted to bend. Like, the point is... This is exactly what sarks really kind of means. It's like this craving that you just can't help. No matter how many times I reason with my dog, and no matter how many times he feels guilty, he's going to go right back to chewing those things again. Why? He has no impulse control. 
He can't control himself. He can't help it. He knows it might be wrong, but he feels that urge, that, that scratch, that itch he needs to get to. And so he can't help but go and chew those things. I just had to accept the fact that my dog has no self-control, right? And this is what that word means, and this is the same thing that Satan tries to use to get us away from God. He uses those instincts, those itches, those urges, those things that are in our mind that tempt us, our deepest cravings and desires. He uses those to tempt us away, to pull us into the shadows and promise that whatever it is that he's giving us will fulfill us in every single way. We'll get into why the darkness can be so pulling and tempting for us in the next point, right? But I want to make this point first. Satan doesn't lure us into the shadows to save us or offer us freedom. Satan lures us into the shadows to hurt and kill us. Satan is not looking out for you, and no sin is looking out for the best interest of you. No matter how much we think that that thing in our life that is trying to satisfy that craving, it's not going to save you. In fact, it's only there to destroy you. Paul finishes this verse by saying that because we gratify our impulses, we become people who are deserving of wrath. Deserving of wrath. And I think often we can read verses like this and think in our brains, sin is bad because it's actions that God made an arbitrary list in the beginning of the world and just said, you know what, these things are evil just because I said so, right? So we often think sin is bad because it makes God angry and, you know, I'm not going to go to heaven if I do this today, right? I think we think that in the back of our minds, but I think we have to go back and remember God's intention for us in the first place. God wants us to be light. He wants us to live, and honestly, he wants to save us. There's a reason sin is bad, and sin is bad not because it's just a list of rules. Sin is dangerous because sin is used to destroy us. Not just us, but everything in our lives, right? Satan already knows he's going to lose at the end of the day, so his goal is not just to save anybody, and really not to save himself anymore, but to drag as many people down as he possibly can. The reason the world is a dark place is because it's filled with a bunch of people who fall for the lives of Satan and make the choices on whatever gratifies them at the time, whatever impulse they can feel, not thinking about the harm that it causes on them or on other people. Y'all with me tonight? You know, take one example in our society, and if you don't believe me, I want to take one example. That we as a society have deviated from God's intent. And we'll just weigh it out. We'll say, you know what? Let's decide whether or not we're in a better place or a worse place because of it, right? You know, think about it. We know the Bible talks about what sex is supposed to be used for, right? And sex is kind of a taboo topic, right? You know, it's often, even as I said that word to people, like, oh my gosh, ugh. right? But here's the thing. God's intent for sex was meant to be good. We know that. But there is a serious responsibility that must be taken with it, right? He said this is only supposed to be between a man and a woman in marriage. We know that, right? You know, and honestly, sex is so good, God actually gave us the ability to create life with it. That's how incredible that gift to us is there, right? But here's the thing. Instead of viewing sex with responsibility in our culture, we've decided to deviate and make it mean nothing less than just something of pleasure. Something for our own pleasure, something to scratch it in. So let's ask the question. What have we gotten ourselves into because we've done that as a society? Think about it. 
There's higher rates of premarital sex these days, which leads to higher rate of teen pregnancies. More single parent homes than we've ever seen before in history. More STD rates are increasing every day. Even too, in America, the foster care systems are overflowing as a result of it. Sanctity of life issues are all over the news every single day where there are debates about it all the time. And honestly, it affects marriages in America where 50% of them end in divorce. And we've heard that many times, but this is the stat I always look at and I always am convicted and just my heart is broken, which is this. You know, the porn industry in America, which is responsible for the most amount of sex trafficking and abuse in the world, is worth more than all the major sports companies combined. That's the kind of world we live in. If I am looking at the facts, guys, we are not in a better place because we have gone away from God. There's a reason sin is bad. Sin is not bad just because God said so. Sin is bad because it destroys. Sin destroys lives. Sin hurts people. And look how much pain has resulted because of the deviation. Sin isn't looking to help us. Sin is only looking to hurt and kill us. The question I have for you tonight is this. What is Satan trying to destroy in your life? You know, I think about for me, you know, last year, last July, I made the second most important decision of my life and I married my wife here. And I know this about myself. She's too good for me. She is too good for me. God was just really good to me. All right. But I think about some of the biggest struggles of my life, right? Look, this is an amazing thing here. Satan doesn't want this to be an amazing thing. My biggest struggles when I was studying the Bible, becoming a Christian, and even in my early years as a Christian, was lust, pornography, masturbation, impure relationships. And I'm talking, it was a huge part of my life. So much so that the first year I became a Christian, I gave it up, fell back into it, and then hid it for about a year and a half. This was ongoing in my life so much so, and here's the things. I left those behind when I was a Christian, right? But Satan still wants to use those things to tempt me constantly. Why? Because he doesn't want to let an amazing thing happen here. One, he wants to come between me and God, of course, right? But he also wants to hurt my life, too. He wants to hurt my future family one day. He wants to hurt the people around me that see the life that I'm trying to live. He wants to hurt everything around me, my marriage, and everything else. And so I have to remember the question, what's at stake for me? There's a lot at stake when Satan is trying to destroy. It isn't just about me in that case. Because here's the thing, guys. Satan is looking to lure you into the shadows so he can destroy you and everyone around you as well. Sin is not there to help you. The question I have for you is, what is Satan trying to destroy in your life tonight? What is he coming for you? What is he coming for your neck on? Satan is not your friend. He wants to destroy you. My second point tonight is comfort in the shadows. Comfort in the shadows. Y'all still with me? Ephesians 4. We're going to turn there. Verse 17. Verse 17, it says this. So I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. You know, Paul continues on here in the book of Ephesians, and he says, you know, he calls the Christians there to no longer live like the world does. To no longer live like the Gentiles are doing, right? Because their hearts have been so hardened from their lifestyle, they've lost all sensitivity to sin. They can't even feel guilt or shame about it anymore. Really, what Paul is saying is there is a point in your life when you live in sin for long enough time, your heart can become so hard that, again, you stop feeling guilty. You stop feeling shame for it. And honestly, it becomes a lot easier to justify the behaviors you're engaging in. We start saying things like, this isn't bad, and such and such. And really, we even say things like, this isn't hurting anybody. It's just a me thing, right? What happens after a while, though, is that when you lose all sensitivity, when you stop feeling shame, when you stop feeling that guilt, when you stop feeling that tug like this is wrong, you will hand yourself over to indulge in every kind of impurity. It just becomes worse and worse, and you fall down a pit that is hard to get out. Essentially, being in the darkness makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel safe. It tries to get us to forget how dangerous sin is, and it causes us to slip further and further away from God. My wife is going to share a little bit here. Because I felt ashamed of my shortcomings. I felt guilty that I hurt friends. 
and I just don't like being in the wrong. As the conversation continued and my heart eventually softened, I still felt more apprehensive. Um, I was appreciative of the help of my character, but I still felt that inner resistance to change. And so I, it took me a day and I had to reflect more on that. And as I reflected on why I didn't want to be refined and grow in this, I realized it's because it's hard. Mm. That sounds lame, maybe. <laughs> I genuinely want to grow, but there's something comfortable about staying in what's familiar. Even if the familiar isn't, isn't a good space or is, like, not the best. There's an old analogy about boiling frogs. Stick with me. <laughs> if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll immediately jump out. But if you put a frog in a pot of water that's normal temperature and slowly raise that temperature until it's boiling, the frog will die. It's because the change is slow and it's comfortable. That's what I was feeling. I don't have I don't like having an unrefined character, but I also don't like being refined. It's hard to grow in something. But I'm so used to feeling, yeah. even if it's uncomfortable. Um, and so that's why I want to share this story. I'm still really working on bringing my insecurities and my pride to light and allowing God to refine my character. But the things that the thing that got me to this spot of like, okay, you know, let's grow, uh, was having to recognize the reasons why I wanted to stay in the darkness. I had to not let my pride, my shame, guilt, and comfortability especially keep me from growing in the ways that will bring me closer to God. Yeah. Don't lose sensitivity to your sinful nature, as the scripture talks about, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. And if you feel like you've been losing sensitivity, be honest with yourself. One of the hardest people to be honest with is ourselves, because once we recognize something that we need to grow in in our characters, we're, we're at a crossroads, and you have to choose to go and grow or choose to stay in sin. Yeah. Yeah. Are you at a crossroads today, and what are you going to choose? Using these methods, even as my wife was talking there, I'm thinking about, man, like all the ways that the darkness can feel comfortable. Right? That's what Satan wants to do is to make us feel comfortable. You know, there's a quote from the movie uh, Batman the Dark Knight Returns. Come on. Classic. That's the best Batman. You know, Bane is fighting Batman. And he says this quote, this always sticks out to me. It says, Ah, you think the darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the darkness. I was born in it. Molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blindness. Blinded. And this is what Satan wants us to think like, right? He wants us to be like this, to be trained by the darkness. To be molded by the darkness. So much so that when God's light is showing, it's nothing more to us than blinding. Ephesians 5. Verse 3 reads this. I'm just going to leave it. Just leave it. It says this. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Or any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. 
Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. You know, Paul calls the Ephesians here not even to have a hint of any of these. Meaning, not even to have behaviors or actions in their life that even looks like any of these things. Because it is improper for Christians to engage in any of this kind of behavior. And that is a life of darkness, not of light. This is how Satan likes to train us to light the dark. He starts by sneaking in little sins into our life. Slowly, surely, training our minds to light the darkness. He gets us to compromise ever so slightly. Little by little, straddling a line, justifying an action, and trying to downplay it like it's no big deal. All sin should be a big deal. We shouldn't be straddling the line with darkness. We should be adamant about getting rid of all of our sin in our life because what Satan wants to do is to condition us to love the darkness rather than the light. If your heart tonight hears this and thinks, What we're saying isn't that big of a deal. I would warn you to check your heart to make sure you haven't fallen in love with the darkness already. I've got two questions for this. Number one, what lies of Satan are you making an excuse for tonight? What has he got you to believe that the darkness can offer you tonight? What impure relationship has he got you making an excuse for? What impurity going on in your life has he gotten you to make an excuse for? What drunkenness has he got you to make an excuse for? What addiction, what foolish talk, what prideful living, what darkness has he got you covering for him for? Satan is a coward. He never has to defend himself for any of the actions he gets us to fall into. Because really, his method is to get us to do that for him. Satan makes us do the dirty work of defending him. Don't give him that power. Don't give him that right. Don't defend him. Understand, he's just a coward. He wants you to cover for him. Because he won't defend you. He won't. What lies of Satan are you making an excuse for? The second question is, what line is he getting you to straddle tonight? What sin has he got you to believe isn't going to be that big of a deal? Christians, are we allowing ourselves to fall in love with bits of darkness in our lives? Are we quick to justify things as no big deal and even try to make the excuse we are mature? We are spiritual enough to handle it, so it's okay if I play with the darkness. It's okay to get a bit tipsy. I won't get drunk. It's okay to push my boundaries with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm not going to fall. I don't need to get advice. I'm mature. I can handle this. I think we can become quick to flirt with the shadows and disguise our motives with spiritual lingo and call it maturity, when in reality we love the shadows, but we don't have enough guts to say it. We don't have enough guts just to say, I love the darkness tonight. 
We can't try to disguise it. Understand your heart. What do you love more, the darkness or the light? Say it and own it in your life. Because tonight you've got some sin going on that you've been struggling with for a while. Or you've been straddling the line. It's not over for you. There is hope. There is a way out and to choose to get out of the darkness and the wonderful light. But that comes back down to the question, what do you love more? Do you love the darkness or do you love the light? Because you can escape. You don't have to be trained and molded by it anymore. Don't cover for it. Run from it. And that leads me into our final point tonight, which is exposing the darkness. Exposing the darkness. I love this verse. In verse 8 in chapter 5, it says this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of life consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Paul calls the Ephesians church here children of light. And calls them really to live up to that calling of being children of light. He, choo- he tells them to have a heart that chooses to figure out what pleases the Lord, which I love that. right? Just as an aside note, when people ask you, can I do this? Well, does it glorify God? Will it please God? Ask yourself that question. Really, we should be trying to please God in every way in our lives, right? right. He calls the Ephesians not just to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. But to expose them. I love that word there that he uses. To expose them for what they are. The word for expose here. I'm a a Bible nerd. So I look up Greek terms. Just stick with me. The word here is elekno. Everybody say elekno. I hope I made you pronounce that right. But it means to test. To convict. And this is my favorite definition. To lay bare or to experience conviction. To lay bare and experience conviction. What Paul is really getting at here is not just to stop doing these actions, but to bring them into light, to lay them bare, and to come to a new belief that the darkness is no longer for me. I will always walk in the way of light. I don't want the darkness anymore. We, we need to be open and transparent about our sin, not making an excuse for it any longer, And allowing Satan to get a foothold. We need to expose that, right? But here's the thing. We can sometimes feel like that's hard. That can feel rather exposing in our lives. My wife is going to share a little bit about that. Yeah, so I want to talk about how if we don't bring sin into the light, it can kill us spiritually. As some of you know, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for about four years now, have practiced in Florida, and now work in Columbia part-time. Because of this, a lot of my examples are medical in nature, so stick with me. (laughs) As we're talking about bringing sin into the light, this requires honesty. So I'm going to ask a couple of honest questions. You can can be honest about it, but you you don't have to all understand. 
My first question is, who here poops? Does anyone have bowel movements? <laughs> Couple liars. Tonight, that do not want to explode, 
How do we get out of the darkness? How do we expose the darkness? I'm going to give you a few practicals tonight. Number one, expose your life. Expose your life. And I will say this, be brutally transparent about what's going on. Keeping your life in the darkness will only allow darkness to have a foothold in your life. I was talking to uh, one of my friends, and he literally told me this quote, and it sticks with me. He says, if you have the boldness to fall into the sin, you should have the boldness to confess it. He, he told me that, and I'm literally like, wow! But he even said it a step further. The amount of boldness it took to fall into that sin should be the same amount of boldness you have to confess it. We need to have confession like that, guys. That don't care what other people think of us, or what kind of shame it would bring on us, but more, I want to be right with God in this moment. I don't want to be in the darkness anymore. I understand Satan's schemes going on in my life. That's the first one, is exposing our lives. Number two, be humble and seek God's glory. Here's the problem. All of this, everything that we're talking about tonight, requires humility. It requires humility because here's the problem. We have to acknowledge our way isn't the right way. It's not not the right way. God's way is. And even two, we have to notice I can't fix myself every single time I need help in my life. We have to have a heart that has a humility to it that says I want to seek God's glory in my life more than my own glory. So be humble. Seek God's glory. And then number three, accept help. We need to be open to correction, chasing after advice, and loving wisdom in our lives. In verse 15 in chapter 5, it reads this. It says, be very careful then how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore... Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then I love immediately after that, it literally says, don't get drunk, which leads to debauchery. Right? I love how Paul just has to throw that into the last point there. But the point I wanted to make with that is we need to be people who love wisdom more than our own egos. We need to be seeking advice in our life. We need to be welcoming correction into our life. That means we actually have to invite it into our life. And then when it comes, take it, grow, embrace it. Expose our life, be humble and seek God's glory and accept help. Because if you're serious about wanting to be close to God this weekend, and you want to become a light yourself, we need to get serious about our sin, guys, right? We need to expose it in our lives tonight to one another. And if there is something going on in your life or, you know, something hits you tonight as we're talking here, I would really encourage you to spend tonight confessing in your cabins. I would spend tonight actually getting open and getting help in your life. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because here's the thing. Satan is already knowing your heart is stirring. He's going to try to spin another lie to keep you back in the darkness. Take the moment, get open, don't wait, don't let him pull you back into the darkness tonight. Because Christians, we need to expose the sin in our lives to experience God's wonderful light. Amen? Amen. The sin is not your friend. It never has been, and it never will be. I really do believe that everyone here this weekend 
wants to draw near to God and wants to become lights. And honestly, I think you all want to change the world, right? But Satan doesn't want that. And honestly, he's looking to destroy everything to prevent that from happening. Will you allow him to do so? Because you have a choice. You could choose to make this weekend about exposing the darkness in your life and really becoming a light yourself, but this could just be another weekend that Satan is training you to love the darkness and to be blind to the light. My prayer is that this weekend is powerful and God's power would be on all display this weekend. My prayer is the same of Paul's in Ephesians 1. I'll read verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you want this power tonight? Do you want to be out of the darkness? Do you want to be light? Thank you and to God be glory.